Welcome to Karate of the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. Freddie Waff. Our first movie episode of the new year. And we have a new theme. What's our new theme? It's more, more, more. And that's double O-R-E. Yeah. And it's not Roger. Nope. It's Demi or Demi. Demi? Is it Demi or is it Demi? Which one is it? I don't it? know. Or is it both? Doesn't yeah, matter. I've heard people people say semi and semi, right? I've been I've been yes, <laughs> me too, and I've been corrected um, both on both semi, semi, and demi, and demi, and demi, and whatever. Um, so there you go. Right. This is you know. Let me tell you what's not semi or semi is moral thoughts. This fucking ball rocking neo noir yeah, psychological thriller from ninety one, and it's a Christmas movie. And it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> I mean, that's a stretch, or is it? I yes. mean, I guess it is, yes. but it's got a Christmas tree in it. <laughs> this is just, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing because she popped out three movies the year after she did Ghost, and her, everybody knew who she was before Ghost, but Ghost just was yeah, blew a her phenomenon. Put her, was, into the next, was, put her into the stratosphere. Yeah. And what's funny is, you know, she had short hair in that, and before that, all of her roles were longer hair. And so in between Mortal Thoughts and Ghost, she did nothing but trouble. And you see the hair was still kind of growing back in. I'm almost positive though with this, though she's wearing a wig or extensions or something because it seems there's no way the hair could have grown I back. I mean, like, well, yeah. I mean, they're, dude, they're, this movie is all about hair, acid yeah. wash jeans, mm -hmm. leather fringed boots. <laughs> yes. And all things Jersey. All things Jersey. All things 91 Jersey. This movie fucks when it comes to representing that whole culture in the 90s. Yeah. This cast, dude. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's loaded. I mean, it's, and, and, we're, and we're getting, and it's, it's all like great actors. Like there's a yes. lot of, I mean, everybody is fucking, everybody's, everybody is on par. I think there's, there's no weak links. There's nobody mm -hmm. like, you know, no, not everybody's not looking at one person going, yeah, if it was just we would have just cast because mm, they nailed it. I mean, I, dude, there's everybody, yeah. I can't imagine anybody else for this time. Well, I can't no. imagine anybody in in these roles. If they were to remake this movie, which I feel like they already have, or, or, or they try to every, like, you know, every other month, there's a movie that comes out like that. I feel like wants to be like this. Right. But dude, I mean, her, Demi is great. I mean, and this is kind of the start of like, she had a good run in the 90s, like from Ghost right. up until what, like the end of the, like for 10 years, like she had a good 10 year run. And and this yeah. is right at the beginning. And it was rare for her to just do one movie a year. She'll do like two or three a year. Dude, right? Right. If she only did one movie that year, it's because she did like three or four the year before. Right. Because I remember this came out, like the butcher's wife came out like the same year as this, uh, right. this, I mean, there's a, but yeah, but she was on fire, dude. She was, yep. in, she was in all your movies. Yep. I mean, and, and as we're going to find out this month, which ones <laughs> and where did she go and what was she in? And I mean, cause none of them are really the same either. That's the thing. I, I feel like, right. I feel like she's an actress who doesn't get enough credit for being, cause she's really, really good in this. She's really good in this. Yeah. Yeah. And and her and Glenn Healy together are fucking oh, ridiculous. They were ridiculous. And the round of the rest of the cast, playing Glenn Headley's husband, is Bruce Willis. Now, at this point, he and Demi have been married for how long? Ooh, I don't know. Not three, very long. Two or three years? Yeah. And they've only had the first kid at this point. Yeah, just rumor. And I know that because I ran and I ran into them 
walking, I, th- I think it was Rumor. I think Rumor was the first, right? Mm-hmm. And I was walking, they were walking together and I was, this is before even Hudson Hawk had come out. Well, even before this, because Hudson Hawk, like before Hudson Hawk for sure, and this was coming down the line. And um, I was, and they were really sweet. But for them to be out and about like that, at that time, paparazzi were everywhere. And it, it was weird because there weren't when I ran into them. They were just kind of casually walking out and about doing their thing. They were the Hollywood couple at the time. So when I found out both of them were in this movie, I thought, oh, they're going to play husband and wife in there. No, they kind of switched the things up a little bit. And Bruce, man, I think you described him perfectly. I know enough about moonlighting <laughs> to get your to get your reference. But what did you say to me? I said he's David Addison's evil twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> he is. With the evil Spock goatee. Yeah, with the evil Spock goatee and the <laughs> fucking whole, like, you know, he's got the same sort of mannerisms and the same sort of, eh, that whole, you know, if you watch enough Moonlighting, you see a lot of David Addison in uh, James, uh, Jimmy Urbanski's, you know, shtick. Right. You know, he's a hothead. He's kind of like a, if you took if you took Bruce's character from Miami Vice and David Addison and you've mashed them together, this is, you know, you get Jimmy Urbanski, <laughs> who's a real piece of shit in this movie. Yeah. Um, and Bruce is great. I mean, uh, you know, again, this was one of the first, I mean, this was after Die Hard. I think Die Hard 2 was already out, right? This sort of came between... Yeah, I think Die Hard 2 was 90, wasn't it? Yeah, so this came after Die Harder. So the world was getting used to him as John McClane, but he still had a great full head of hair here. And, you know, this is before, you know, this this is this is in a th- where Bruce, and I think, you know, it's funny because people have described this before as, a, you know, oh, it's a, a cameo by Bruce Willis, but it's, it's way more than a cameo. It's not a cameo. No. It, he's co-starring in it. I mean, yeah. it's, again, it's an ensemble piece. But it's really led by, you know, Moore and uh, and Keitel, who we haven't gotten to yet. But right. Bruce is great. Yeah, Jersey Boy playing a Jersey douche. It's like, yeah, it, totally. it was perfect. Yeah, totally. I mean, he, he's great. You know, we also get John Panko as Arthur Kellogg, who is Demi Moore's husband. You know, and, and, and dude, Panko, what did we talk? Did we talked about Panko, you know, a while back about there was something. Was it Till I Die in LA? Or was it when we were sort of going on well, that? I brought, or was it, I, I brought, I was watching episodes again. Oh, and, right, 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 and he, right. And he plays a dirtbag executive, a TV executive in that. And then we talked briefly about, about Till and Die in LA. Right. Yeah. So, and then you, you would start to talk about the, the, the fifth wheel in this in this cast as far as the the meat of the bone meat on the bone between Demi Moore and this person is Harvey Keitel and fuck dude yeah dude their scenes together we okay earlier last year we did we, we were talking about um we, we covered usual suspects and their scenes between Chas Palminteri and the other guy right what they were trying to achieve there yes is every scene with these two together yeah totally yes they just chew scenery they're fucking they're volleying back and forth they're so fucking amazing together those best moments of the movie and a really enjoyable movie are those scenes where the two of them are together yeah what's crazy about this movie is we we, uh, we you know we've been on recent and we keep talking but this could totally be a stage play this is yeah. this movie is so like one act i mean literally that set in the interrogation room with right. um Kaitel and uh, is it Billy Neal? Is that who plays? Yes. Is that who uh-huh. plays his partner? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Billy Neal and uh, and 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 more of those scenes, uh, you know. And then you could there, there's a but this feels very you know this is a very personal movie too. Like it's you're you're in it with them. Like I feel like one of the things they do is the way the, the way it's shot. 
um, you're literally right there with them when you're in that room and with when you're out of that room. You're like right. you're like it, dude, that wedding scene, like the <laughs> the wedding yeah. reception scene. Fuck. I mean, look, we've all been to fucking wedding receptions, and they're all fucking weird. But can you? I mean, look. Uh, feeling the way I felt watching that, I felt like I was in New Jersey in 1990 and I wanted yeah. to get the fuck out of there. I yeah. honestly did before, before somebody, before a fist fight broke out. Right. Like get the bag of money. Like it was like just the whole, fuck you, my father paid dude. And, and dude, yeah. he leaves so fucking good as Joyce. Okay. Here's something nutty about that whole reception scene at the wedding. Frank Vincent plays. Yeah. Right, dad, and he's just kind of like, and you're waiting for him to bust somebody's head open because go get your shoe shine box, right? Right. I'm waiting for him to kick somebody's ass, but he doesn't. He's chill on it. Um, but the fact that he kind of has those moments, like "fuck your father," I don't care. <laughs> kind of, it was like, whoa. I'm like, bro, that's like Frank Vincent, man. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> it's cool because you you don't get that. That that's what that's what you know. I'm waiting for him to be like. I'm waiting for it to escalate on his part, and then I'm realizing, no, he's just playing. He's just her father. He's just right. a nice fucking old dude who's been right. drinking all day. Apparently, yeah. I also really thought that the guy. I, I think it's. Christopher Scottolero, Scottolero, yeah. who plays Joey, the cousin. Is it a cousin or is he Jimmy's brother? I think he's his cousin. Oh, I thought it was his brother, but yeah, that guy. But he's fucking fantastic, and he's Dude. totally on to Demi in the movie too. He's like, totally. I know you guys are just some bullshit. I know there's, yeah. yeah, there's some fucking scandalous bullshit going on here. You know, I don't buy your fucking stories. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird, dude. This feels like. Um, it, and, and I got to say, I want to say, I don't want to say plucked from the headlines, but I kind of felt like it was weirdly like, like maybe, I don't know what, I'd have to go back and do some research on this, but I feel like it sort of came out around this sort of the whole time as the Long Island Lolita and like, you know, all yeah. those, all, all that kind of vibe that was, uh, right. but this is, you know, this is crazy dude, because it's also, it's, uh, it's Alan Rudolph. Right. Oh, I think we've talked about it a couple times. Yeah, just just a, recently we talked about Made in Heaven. Right. We talked about Songwriter. Uh, right. Another one that just re- before that was Choose Me, which is another yes. heavily right. underrated movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and in Trouble in and in, in the the crust the Christopherson film uh, Trouble in Mind. Right. But I mean, it, you know, Rudolph it, it was such an interesting filmmaker. I mean, he still is. He's still he's still around. I talk about him like he's not around, but I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> but there was a point like. From early, let's say eighty four right. to about ninety nine, where he made some really, really great movies, and and this is one of them. And it's funny because I feel like this is a movie people. If you say Mortal Thoughts to ten people, how many do you think are going to know what you're talking about? <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it sounds like something else. If you're playing word association with somebody, you say Mortal Combat. That's right. the, <laughs> totally. That's automatically going to, and if and if you do somebody says Mortal Thoughts, like I know I'm aware there's a movie, but I have no idea what it's about or who's in it. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the poster, unless you know Demi Moore's eyes really well, you're not going to know what that is. And we were talking about posters, but this is a cool poster, man. I yes. really because uh, it makes me want to see more. I want to know more about what's going on. I want to, you know, and that's also the the, the title is. It's thought provoking because I'm like, what a mortal thought? What? What? Yeah. You know? And then it's just, uh, I remember seeing this on VHS. I mean, it was at the end of my videos. Well, no, I was still, I was still, I guess I would still be renting there at 2020 because this was 91. Yeah. So I already lived here. So, you know, I'm sure that I rented this from 2020 video right. <laughs> in the uh, Food for Less uh, there at Western and um, Sunset, which no longer exists. Uh, this movie, 
we'll, let's, we'll give a little bit of the story. We don't want to give it away because it's, it's really, a, it's, a, it's quite an interesting movie. But the two women, they're being interrogated because somebody's killed Jimmy. And, you know, you, you kind of see the writing on the wall, right? It's like you, 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 don't, you don't think that somebody's not going to kill Jimmy because Jimmy's the kind of guy who gets killed. Right. Right? Some, mm-hmm. At some point he fucks up and he, he's going to piss the wrong person off at right. some point, you know. But the, the, the way they go about this sort of, it's very Rashomon, you know. Yes. And, and as, as the story unfolds and Keitel's uh, Detective Woods peels back the, uh, the, uh, the layers of the onion, I mean, it, it's done really well because, again, like I was telling you earlier before we got on the mic, there were points. I mean, I remember the movie very well, right. but I right. have a whole different take on the movie as a 50-year-old than I did when I was, you know, 21 or 20 or whatever the fuck I was when I saw this. Right? And I guess that's just perspective, you know, because now probably close to, close to the same age that Detective Woods was uh, at the time. And, <laughs> you know, what, what you're saying it doesn't jive and and he's right. It doesn't. And I'm like, I'm like, God damn it, dude. It is, but it's even more than I remembered. Like right. I knew she was lying. I knew this, you know, but I have a whole different take on Cynthia Kellogg right. going away I'd th- say. after this viewing. Right. Yeah. Hey, I've always carried that better remembered thing where I remembered her being more of the victim. Yes. Than, than, than Joyce. And, uh, as it turns out, she's, uh, not as frail and as, as, uh, being manipulative. You think she's being the manipulator in this and yeah. more so than you, than I remembered it being again, it's those, uh, matured and experienced eyes now that see it so differently. Well, it's funny too, because like, you know, when you're, when, when you're 20, when we saw this probably like, and you, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of enraptured with Demi, Demi, whatever you, however you like to call her. <laughs> um, you know, to me, she was Jules from St. Elmo's Fire and I would yes. do anything for Jules. And yes. there's no way that, that Cynthia did it. Fuck you, Joyce. It was Joyce. But like dude, at the last frame of this movie, I feel so sorry for Joyce. Like when they come back to the table, when she comes back in after she's left right. and he's like, you ready? Sit down. Yeah. You know, that, that moment you know, and then there's a, you know, you, they look at joy, you know, I, I, there's that moment, you know, they're both fucked, but I actually kind of really felt, I felt more for Joyce this go around than I did for Cynthia. Right. Yeah. Because this, this movie gets dark, dude. It does. It gets <laughs> I mean, pretty dark for her. Let's just put nothing but trouble aside for a moment. It, 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 yeah, I, I don't, it's not about that, but for her to go from ghost to this. Yeah. That is substantial. That is like easily her most commercial or sorry, most commercially successful movie. I was going to say most commercial because she blew up with St. Elmo's Fire and, and, uh, did about last night do okay? I don't even remember. Yeah, about that. Well, it was definitely, yeah, it made, it did decent box office. And also, yeah. you know, it was on Siskel Niebert's uh, top 10 movies of the year in 1986, weirdly. Yeah. And both of them. One of the best all-time romantic comedies ever. Dude, those, but yeah, she's so also good. just been in uh, We're No Angels with uh, Penn and uh, De, Niro. Uh, De Niro, which was, yeah. you know, um, well, not a box office killer, it, but it was a big movie. It was a big Christmas movie. Right. Um, and The Seventh Sign she had done. Yeah, that was, her, that, was her, that was her first solo thing, wasn't it? Yeah, that came right after Wisdom, I think. Like Wisdom right. and One Crazy Summer, all those movies that, you know, we fell in love with Demi Moore. I mean, dude, for me going back, I'm going to go back all the way to Blame It on Rio. Yep. And uh, probably No Small Affair is yep. where I was like, wow. I love, and just that smoky voice of hers. And 
When you think about between one crazy summer and seven sign, yeah. what is that, two years? Uh, yeah, from 86 to eight, about 88, probably. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Those are, that's a dramatic jump in the type of roles because the early, earlier roles we we're just talking about, she was, she was always the romantic fodder of a lot of those movies. And, um, but for her to do something like that, where it was her version of end of days kind of thing, her version yeah. of lost souls. It is a devil made me do it movie. Devil made me do it movie. And we, we even talked about that. Yeah, we did. No, we talked about it. We talked about it, but I think it was, that's another weird one that's just really hard to come by and to, to track oh, down. Yeah. But her draw for this, I really thought this movie was going to blow up. And yeah, me I too. Think what, what I think what happened to us is people wanted her to do Ghost 2. They don't want to see this. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why it hurt the the audience as far as like detracting the, the audience because nobody, nobody wanted to see this. Right. Because that movie was a fucking phenomenon. It was huge. Right. I mean, because she went from Ghost and she, and she did three movies in 91, right? This being one of them. Uh, Nothing But Trouble, which you mentioned, which <laughs> is what it is. Right. Uh, and then The Butcher's Wife. Which I'm going to tell you, I don't, I've never seen The Butcher's Wife, um, but that's the third one. But then, then she knocked it out of the park again, dude, in '92 with Few Good Men and right. Indecent Proposal. I mean, I mean, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. But this is kind of the beginning, and I, and I was shocked at this movie. I was shocked. I didn't even know about this movie weirdly until it showed up on VHS. I remember maybe hearing about it, but again, it wasn't like it is now, right? We didn't know. Right you know, everything that was happening, unless you're reading the trades, but cause you know, there was no IMDB, there was no, no. fucking internet. There was none of that shit. Right. So, you know, if you were working, you know, if you were working in the business, yeah, sure. Maybe you, but I mean, this movie was shot up in, this movie was shot in Newark probably, or somewhere like, uh, you know, wasn't shot in Hollywood, it, no. you know, and it <laughs> certainly is better for it. I mean, like again, the, this is the kind of movie that they, they try to make now for these like prestige. <laughs> like you're going to get mm -hmm. an Oscar if you play this woman. <laughs> you know, it's it's just really funny that this movie didn't take off because it's got all the elements of a lot of the crime films that were going on. I mean, the one thing this movie has going for it, other than more, you know, and and Glenn, and again, I'm probably saying I don't know if it's Heedley or Headley. I ne I've never known. It was our same thing we were talking about when we covered Dread. I'm like, is it Heedley? Is it Headley? <laughs> Which thing. one is it, dude? I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to call her Tess Trueheart. Yes, that works. You know, but but she's great in it. But I mean, what the the thing that I realized when I was watching this movie, and I was like, "Fuck, man, I would take Harvey Keitel every day over Robert De Niro." Mm -hmm. Like, if you if you to get like if I could if I could just watch. I mean, I mean, no slide on De Niro, but I, there's just something about Keitel. Again, Keitel to me is a guy who's never never plays a false note. No, in anything he's done, and you know, I've never, I've never wanted to turn a movie off because I thought Kaitel was bad. He's, he's, he's one of those guys, dude. When, 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 when he's not around anymore, we're gonna be like, fuck, man. I, you know, how many Harvey Kaitel movies have I not seen? That's what you know. That's right. what people are gonna say. How many have I not seen? Right. He went bonkers ninety one too. He did. He did uh, Moral Thoughts and Thelma and Louise. He was yep. fucking great as Slocum. And then he did play Mickey Cohen, play him in, in, in Bugsy. Dude, and next year, he's so good. Reservoir Dogs and Bad Lieutenant, Sister Act. I mean, yeah, dude, it's, he had, this is a window of time. We're talking about Demi's window of time in the 90s. His window of time of yeah. uh, in the 90s was in fucking just infectious. Everything he did, you wanted to see.
again, he's one of those actors who kind of makes everything better. Like, yep. you know, you put Harvey Keitel in your movie. If, if your movie's a five, Harvey Keitel will bring it up point and a half. You know, you get a six and a half for Harvey being in it. It doesn't matter what he's doing. I mean, I think about uh, things like Copland, right? And, and, you know, you think about that whole cast in Copland, but who is the mother? who's the baddest motherfucker in Copland? Mm-hmm. When you watch that movie, to me, yeah. I, I, you know, Stallone, De Niro, no, it's, it's Kaitel, man. Yeah. And he's so good in this. And he's and he, the way, just the way he keeps driving and the subtleties that, you know, he never really raises his voice except toward the end. It's, it's not in that, it's not in the way that, you know, like we talked about in the usual suspects, it doesn't reach that cartoony no. kind of. Kaitel is driving the ship here. I mean, he yep. really keeps everything on point. And I love the way that they sort of, I love the editing in this movie too. Yeah. There's some great optical dissolves in this. There's yeah. some really clever, uh, and that's, this is all, and, and I'm using that word optical here, as opposed to usually hear me say a word optical, I'm talking about disc, but back in the day before visual, before CG was in the employed and involved in creating these kind of effects, you would have to process the film to create these optical, even just simple dissolves yeah. required a, a, you know, uh, the, the film department to be involved in, in, in process it. There are some things that happen in this that are so keen and so wonderful and just sell this whole, the, 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 the neo-noir aspect of it just feels like something you haven't seen before. Yeah, totally. But do Kaitel though, I, I need to say when you're talking about his, his performance in the movie, he like so he raises his voice at one point, but he never hits like an, a, a frustrated, angry no. kind of thing. It's always to the point like, look, I don't have proof, but I know better. So just get to it. Just yeah. come clean. I, I'm trying to fucking help you. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those times when, when Harvey Keitel is telling you, I'm trying to help you in this movie. He is. He's like, I'm trying to help you because... I'm done with your bullshit. You're going to eventually, we're eventually going to catch you and you're better off figuring, just putting this to bed now. Dude, when he says, go home to your kids, they need a mother more than I need a conviction. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I know where you live. And she, and, and, and dude, and I want to say this, she totally holds her own in those scenes yes. because it's gotta be scary, dude. It's staring down the barrel of Harvey Keitel, right? Yeah. Especially when, you know, you're, you're the 30 year old, it girl, right? You just, you just had the biggest, you know, you were just in one of the biggest movies of the last five years. Right. But now you got to fucking, now you got to fucking bring it out. You got to sit there at the table with Keitel and Pankow <laughs> and Hadley and fucking even Bruce. Right. But yeah, she holds her own. And, and yeah. that those scenes in the interrogation between the two of them, they're so good. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, what I was going to say, I love some of the, the shots there at the carnival. Yes. When we start to, you know, there's that, there's a great split diopter shot. There's, yep. I like the switch. First time you see, like, you know, you see Joyce coming back to retrieve uh, Cynthia. And then, you know, as the story sort of the Rashomon of it all shows itself. Right. When you get that and you're like, oh shit, you know, and, and so you're just seeing the world, you know, for what it really is. They do some really great stuff, right. you know, it, it, all the back and forth. It, it really sort of helps create that sort of, um, you know, who, there's three sides to the truth. There's always three sides to every story, right? Yours, right. mine, and the truth. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, this thing's shot well. Oh, it's Elliot Davis. Right, right. Just done some great. Oh, yeah, he did say. Well, he shot out of sight. I mean, yeah. it's funny because... <laughs> Now that you, now that I'm looking at it, duh, 
a lot of that stuff, those, those cuts, they're very much like the ones in out of sight, right? When they're yeah. having drinks and dinner and that whole thing. It's very similar. Yeah. Mortal thought that how they shot mortal thoughts. And there's lots of stuff and things to do in Denver when you're dead that, that fit oh. in that whole close Dude. proximity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's the shot. Here's the thing. There's the, I was going to say this, the shot where the girls are pulled over at the side of the road and those fucking idiot dudes show up behind them. That's straight yeah. out. I mean, like they ripped that off for things. There's, there's a shot that's very, it's almost the exact same shot in things yeah. to do in Denver when, you, or, yeah. when you're dead. <laughs> All right. This movie is one of those ones that you just like, how, how does this movie get overlooked? And I, granted, you know, here we are th- almost 33 years later. It, the, the movie is getting looked at more because of Bruce's retirement and, you know, Demi doesn't work as much anymore. But I think this movie gets, should be discussed a lot more when, when you're talking about not just 90s movies, but just effective thrillers that you probably haven't seen before. Sure. There's a ton of them. I mean, it's funny, like I didn't realize, uh, you know, he also shot The Underneath, which we talk about all the time, or, you know, we bring up all the time. <laughs> it has a very similar feel to that vibe too. Yeah, this right. is a weird movie. This is a movie that I think just doesn't, there's not a very, there, and there's not a good physical release of this movie. I had yeah. a DVD of it and it was shitty. The avert, what I saw, what I, I watched on Tubi, I, I'm assuming you did as well. Uh, yes, I did. But the, the, the it looks better on Tubi than the DVD ever did. Yeah. That's the thing, too. The grain. Holy shit. Okay, you know, every time I look at Just Watch when we're looking at movies to, to, to where if we're going to have to stream them or, or we're going to have to dig out an optical for it, I find myself going, it sells. It'll tell you if it's standard def or HD inside Just Watch. I can't tell you how many times I've watched movies recently where they said a Tubi movie was SD. If that's SD, I think End of Days was another one. If that's SD, then okay, then maybe we should start buying more DVDs if they're like that. No but I don't doubt, think dude. they are. I think there's some, I think they're like SD 1.5 or something like that. I think they're a little bit better than that because you can see the grain. It's a beautifully shot movie. I thought maybe this was going to be shoved in 4 or 3 whatever before I ever hit play. But no, it's it's the proper, I think it was 185, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 185. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I thought maybe when it came out of this, is what I was worried about. I thought maybe when it came out of, out of the final credit, once the directed by credit came up, it was going to cut back because you, you saw that a lot in the in the late eighties and in early nineties on VHS when paying and scan. You would, the whole opening credit would be in letterbox. Everybody's single title credits could be seen cleanly because sometimes it'd be uh, shifted off to the left or the right or the bottom or the top, and they'd be cut off if there was this pan and scan involved. And then it would go back to being pan scan once the letterbox and the, once the title credits have right. had ended. This is uh, scope all the way, not scope, but it's 185 all the way through. For a movie that, first of all, it's streaming. Yeah. It's supposedly SD. It looks fucking fantastic, honestly. And I think a Blu-ray may hurt the movie. Yeah. I mean, I would only I would only be interested in this as Blu-ray for them to like you know shove a bunch of extras on it. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. right. Like to see some behind the scenes stuff to get some interviews. Right. I'd love to hear Alan Rudolph and uh, Elliot talk about this movie, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure the conversations are interesting. There's a lot of things I would love to hear right. those guys talk about. But yeah, as far as like picture quality, I, I don't need it any better than it was on Tubi, I, which is right. you know to me it was fine. Right. It's another thing that even with the commercials, it doesn't ruin the viewing experience of the movie. Right. Would it be better without commercials? Absolutely. But 
it doesn't ruin your view. You know, if, if you're worried about watching, you know, I don't want to watch it because of commercials. I mean, <laughs> it might be the only way you can see it unless you want to buy that DVD. And I don't recall a whole lot of breaks, honestly. No, it dude, I think there were three in the whole movie. Yeah. Or four. Here's what's an idea. I got to say, you know, DVD didn't come around till 97, uh, late 97. And then when it started picking up, like this movie didn't even see a DVD release until until 98. So the, the format had been out for barely a year. But I don't think there's much difference between the Laserdisc that came out the year the movie came out, the VHS, and the DVD. I don't think there's anything really different from it other than the Laserdisc and the DVD both have a, a widescreen version of the movie. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Like I said, I think that the 2B version is probably the best version that you're going to be able to get. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, the thing with the, you can, I mean, again, I looked on eBay too. There are some laser discs available, but what I'm going to go out on a limb and say without knowing for sure is that the laser disc is probably as good as the VHS. And this print that's on is better than the VHS. So it'll be better than the laser disc. Right. Mortal thoughts. You most likely haven't seen the movie. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, go back and watch it again. Because I think yep. you might, if you had a, a similar a similar disposition about uh, Demi's Cynthia character in this, I think you might feel differently now <laughs> if you saw this back when it came out or within a proximity of five years. If you saw this around 95, 96, maybe when it hit DVD 98, you're going to discover that, or at least like we did anyway, we discovered that it's... Uh, it's a whole new ball game once you've had some uh, some experience of of life and it's yeah. uh, it's a, you find out it's far more intricate and less less obvious less obvious yeah, yeah. no totally yeah. there's a lot there's a lot more going on here than you know than the, the 20 year old me could take in you know right. I, I, like I said I was still you know fucking gaga and fucking goo goo eyed looking at her through rose colored glasses because it was dimmy you know so. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was a good watch. I, I I was super happy. I watched the movie the other night, and then I watched the I watched the second half of it again, uh, you know, before we recorded, uh, just so because the end of it is there's a lot going on there at the end, and yeah. I wanted to make sure I processed it all because at one point I was sure that I was like this pancow, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, he does, right? Yeah, I meant that. And so I I just decided I'd watch see the last half of it again, and the last half of it is like. It's, you know, once the trap is sprung, it's, it's once, right. you know, it, 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 the last half of the movie, um, I mean, not that the first half is boring or moves slowly, but that last like 35, 40 oh, minutes yeah. of it totally just cooks and, right. uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. This is a movie I, you know, I used to tell people about this movie all the time. Cause again, I always loved Kaitel in it, but it's funny because not only do I have a different take on Cynthia, I also have a different take on detective woods than I did, you know, mm-hmm. 30 yeah. years ago because I just thought he was beating up on my girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, just get to it, man. I know really what happened. Now, the the first half of the movie is very much that planting of the seed and watering and nurturing the the garden and that last half is definitely the the crops blooming. It really just come out. Yeah. It it's, smells a lot. That flower smells a lot different now, <laughs> now that I'm 54 watching it than it was when I was 22. So good stuff. Anyway, so that this is just the first movie of uh, more, more, more that we're covering. Mortal thoughts. <laughs> Mortal thoughts. It's uh, I, I really like our choices. Uh, we had picked five movies that are pretty much right in the same window of time. Yeah, they're all '90s movies, and but they're like right in the canon. Like, like we noted already, 
she did a lot of movies in the 90s. So you may not figure out what we're doing before we get there. Yep. But all of the movies that we're covering this month are fucking so diverse as far as the story being told. And I can't wait to get to all of them. Yeah, no, me neither, man. I'm excited. This will be fun. Uh, again, you know, and I've always liked, uh, I've always liked her. There was a point where, you know, she was a draw for me. Like I would go uh, yeah. and I would see a movie just because she was in it. That's the yeah. only reason I saw The Juror. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. You know. <laughs> um, so there you go. All right. More, more, more. So you want to follow the show on the socials. You can follow us at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Letterboxd. If you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. And on Instagram, is Culprit97. And if you want to follow some other socials and other linkage, you can look at the bottom of our episode show notes under Karate in the Garage linkage, and you'll find everything there. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at rockandroller33. If you'd like to follow me on Letterboxd, I'm at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. If you'd like to follow me at Blue Sky, it's the real John Ladd at Blue Sky. <laughs>